Warning, the episode you are about to listen to most likely contains graphic language, details of violence and murder, and may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. What is up, everybody? This is episode 36 of Murder With My Mother, the true crime podcast, where I talk murder with my mother, my mother who is home. Yay! Yay! It seems like I've been gone for six months. Well, five weeks is basically the same thing when you're like the only (laughs) person I talk to all day. Yeah, so I guess I've really missed um, everybody and doing the podcast and seeing the kids and even working, although I'm over that by now. Yeah, right? You've been back. <laughs> well, you've been back for like two weeks. Uh, Yeah, it'll be three weeks this weekend. Yeah, and a lot has transpired in those three weeks or in the last, I guess, what would it be, eight weeks now since you've uh, yeah. like been gone? So I've been gone since April the 29th. And today is June the 23rd. Not really, but that's what day is released. <laughs> yeah. And I, as you guys know, went to Southeast Asia. Uh, my boyfriend broke up with me in <laughs> Vietnam. Okay, so. but let me just say, your boyfriend that also doubled as your landlord. Yeah. So. So. So we had to get you the fuck out of there, basically. Yeah, randomly, he broke up with me in Vietnam, so I had to travel by myself for two weeks, which was, although at first out of my comfort zone, turned out to be, like, fucking rad because, yeah, um, yeah I grew a lot and had a lot of fun. Well, that's how the best <laughs> stories start. We know that, obviously, because everything unexpected, <laughs> we've had an unexpected couple of years. Yeah, and I think... You can hear my unexpected couple of years in the background right now. I also think that when you push yourself out of your comfort zone, it leads to uh, growth for sure. So the kind of fucked up part was that I had to find somewhere else to live while I was in Vietnam. So I was on Facebook Marketplace looking at places. (laughs) And the best is like when you're messaging people like, yeah, I'm just in Asia right now, but I'll be returning to the country. Like it sounds like you're like some kind of scam. Like I'm a a Nigerian scam. (laughs) Yeah, or any kind of scam. Yeah. So Asian scam. It man, I managed to actually find a coach house and I need to give a shout out to Rob and Michelle because they trusted me that I was a real person and let me talk them into having my dog who's large yeah who's a hundred pound german shepherd in a coach house so uh it all worked out i got home packed all my shit and now i have a new house so it's been a very eventful uh nine weeks i guess yeah you also have a 30 year old daughter so and a six month old granddaughter so and Danica, a 10-year-old grandson. Danica turned 30 while I was gone, as you guys knew was going to happen because she was a little begrudging about me going away. <laughs> I think it all went well. She looks great. She started using wrinkle cream. I did. The minute I turned, I bought like two eye creams the minute I turned 30. So And started drinking like a lot of water. Trying to take steps towards, I don't know, like trying to be, what is that? Preventative. Preventative. <laughs> Keep my youth. Yeah. I wish I would have done that, but I didn't, so... There you go. Now so. I look like I'm 86 <laughs> no, and I'm you don't. You don't. You look great for being a Nana of two, and yeah, so... Ooh, what the fuck's that thing? Some <clears throat> no, people are 80 years old great, and they're a Nana of two. You just look great, and you look great. 
So mom is back, which has been awesome. And bonus, she moved down the street from me. So which is great because I did live quite far away. Yeah, it's it's awesome. It's my first time here. We're recording here today, but we do well, have we some don't pretty. Live here yet. Oh yeah, no, we... <laughs> yeah. The landlord may or may not have given her the keys to paint. Air quotes, <laughs> but. <laughs> She's here. All her stuff's in. Cable's connected. Everything's in. She's not even supposed to be in for like, what, eight more days or something? But she is supposed to be in. It's fine. You just listen to the podcast. <laughs> Sorry. Just kidding. She doesn't even, she doesn't even live in a coach house. <laughs> but as I was saying, um, we are recording here today, but some exciting news from Murder With My Mother. Actually, we have... I know last time we promised that this episode would be on video, but But, it's not. (laughs) You got to use your imagination. But we have officially actually booked studio space that has a full on, uh, I guess it's a podcast and video space. (laughs) Yeah. So not only will you get to hear us, but you will also get to see us. And obviously right now you guys know just adapting to life as a new mom again Uh, mom's you know mom's pretty free but um yeah it's me so once a month we're gonna keep releasing the episodes but now they will be videos and audio so you can actually have the option to watch us if you please Uh, maybe some of you have been curious of what we look like maybe not some of you obviously know us but uh, maybe you'll be able to tell us apart when we talk a little bit better yeah that's for sure (laughs) i know our voices blend quite a bit Oh, yeah. So that's pretty exciting. We have also finally launched our Patreon page. So if you guys love Murder With My Mother and you want to support for as little as $2 a month, you can go to www.patreon.com slash Murder With My Mother podcast. Yeah, you can. There's unlimited. Um, If you do pay for Patreon, you guys will have access to some early content. And the episodes will drop like a day before everybody else. I don't know if that matters to anybody, but um, just different things. We're trying to obviously see what you guys want because we don't know. Like, let us know. I think it would be cool to put some bloopers in there. Yeah, we'll have bloopers. We'll pretty much put on like an unedited version of the videos, of the audio. Nanatoes. Yeah. There'll also be a little page and uh, link for Nanatoes, mom's OnlyFans, that she's going to start now that she's single, ready to mingle. Um, Other things exciting that happened when we were gone. uh, Lion Hunt, which right now I'm going to refer to him as Lion Hunt. Lion Hunt. the The husband and... Probably prime suspect, everybody knows. In the murder of Trina Hunt. In the murder of his wife, Trina Hunt, who is suspiciously found. We've touched on this before. Suspiciously found where they, or he said later after she went missing. um, Well, he first of all reported her missing immediately when he got home from work at 6 p.m. Then without said, looking for her and then didn't help look for her for months. And then well, he still never has even addressed the whole situation. No, exactly. He sucks. So it was uh, a year ago and now he he got arrested. He finally was arrested. So he was arrested like a couple weeks ago. Um, everybody, obviously, in the groups that were in um, was very, you know, posting photos and all of this. It was like, finally, like, I've been driving around with a Justice for Trina bumper sticker on my car for the last year. 
So we were all like, yes, finally, he's going to have to pay for what he's done. But they released him without even charges. So. The next day. Yeah. So I think that's a tactic sometimes that they do if they know that somebody has done something. They have a lot of, you know, not so much physical evidence because, again... They do have a circumstantial yes, case. Yes, they have a circumstantial case. you know case. as well as I do that... That's not going to fly. fly yeah. No, and also it's hard to prove somebody is murdered when it's in their own house. What, are you going to find hairs or... Even yeah. if they found blood in the house of hers, there's a any good defense lawyer would say like, well, it's her, it's her house. It's her house, yeah. Right. So they want to have a solid, concrete case before they actually can charge him. And and I think what they were really hoping is that maybe they would lay out all the circumstantial evidence, and he would say, yeah, you're right. Yeah, like it. he would just break because he's been living with this for a year, and mm-hmm. I cannot imagine. Um, what it would be like to live for a year knowing that you have murdered someone, especially like, your with wife, holding that in your heart. And they were together yeah. since they were in high school. Oh, there's pictures of them right beside each other in the yearbook. Yeah, I know. like it's like crazy. And he has a girlfriend, which he apparently she's on Tinder now. So they're uh, that was together. actually a fake picture. <laughs> but I just can't imagine sleeping beside a man that you know has done that to someone. Like that would be. He obviously, she obviously knows that he did it. They, For sure. But you know, some people need to believe what they need to believe in order to live. Yeah, Kiana knows. In order to live the life that they want to live, where I know that she's quite a bit younger than him. And he probably just was like, you know, no, I didn't do it. And how could yeah, I? But would, we can you know, be together now. Exactly. Like, super whatever but anyway so we will totally again obviously we'll keep you guys posted on the anything that happens with that um but yeah i mean hopefully it's just the beginning and the case doesn't go cold and you know like hopefully he's going to be charged soon so yeah hopefully but today we have episode 36 so we have a pretty this this one is always kind of stuck with me because it's I mean they all stick with me they're all obviously I have like an accumulation of of horrible things in my head I had somebody ask a new listener actually her name's Desiree she's my neighbor hey Desiree hey Desiree um she's like don't you ever need a break like too much like you know like no From true crime it's my therapy which is as bad as that sounds it's like that's my comfort is watching the same true crime cases over and over and over that i've always that i know exactly well because that's what that's what you were raised with your whole childhood. i know so it's like i take some kids had a blankie you had bill curtis yeah bill curtis (laughs) we've talked about it before bill curtis is my real dad (laughs) i think he might be your grandfather because he's kind of old i don't know but yeah, so this case today, I have heard about it. This is a case from 1989, and we've talked about familicide before, where somebody in the family uh, basically takes out their whole family, murders their whole family. But in this case, a whole family almost was actually murdered by a complete stranger, which makes it way creepier. I mean, actually, it's really creepy to be murdered by your spouse or your child or your whatever. But a stranger is just, you know, it's it could happen to anybody. Yeah, and I mean, it definitely makes you feel more vulnerable because most of us think that our family member would never kill us. But to know that you're going somewhere and 
to be targeted by a random stranger is, yeah, it could happen to any one of us. For exactly. Sure. So without further ado, we will hop right in. We've kept you guys waiting for like eight weeks. <laughs> so we will hop right into episode 36 of Murder With My Mother. Hope you guys didn't miss us too much. <laughs> It was June 4th, 1989, on what seemed like a pretty quiet Sunday in Tampa Bay, Florida. Apparently the weather was beautiful and everyone was out on their boats that had boats, you know, Tampa living. <laughs> beautiful Tampa. beaches. Oh yeah, Tampa's beautiful. I haven't been to Tampa specifically since I was probably about 11, but what I remember from it, beautiful. They have the most beautiful beaches in the world. Yeah, and they're, well, they're right across from, uh, what is it, St. Johannesburg or something like that? Somewhere. St. Petersburg. Petersburg. And they have beautiful beaches. Like, they're known for their beaches. Yeah. And Tampa's beautiful. I mean, all of Florida is really beautiful, but it got but less beautiful when... Fucked up shit also happens yeah, in Florida yeah, all the time. It does. And so what happened was on this beautiful Sunday, uh, someone out on their boat made a horrible, horrible discovery. They discovered the three three bodies of three females, and they were all floating in the Tampa Bay. They all had yellow ropes attached to all of their necks with cinder blocks on the other side, which obviously is pretty... Pretty indicative of Exactly. So they also all had their hands tied and their feet bound. And they were all unclothed from the waist down. And they all but one had duct tape on their mouths. The female that also had removed the duct tape from her mouth also was able to remove her hands from behind her back, which indicated that they had been put in the water alive. Yeah, and that was later confirmed. Yeah. In an autopsy, they had water in their lungs. Yeah, so this was very, very sadistic. Um, clearly and it was horrible because these three women were unidentified there was no way to tell you know they didn't have any they they didn't have any identification they clearly had been the victims of a horrible horrible murder so the medical examiner determined that the women had been in the water for from 50 to 60 hours so because of this they were unable to do a rape kit but because of the lack of clothing that they were wearing from the waist down they assumed that sexual assault uh, sexual assault <laughs> sexual assaults had taken place so experts that studied the currents that were close to tampa bay and in the tampa bay surrounding area believed that the women were not thrown in the water off of a bridge or land but they were thrown in uh, off of a boat so somewhere in the water Authorities checked missing persons reports and obviously three people missing because it was clear that these people were tied. They were connected because they were all in the water with cinder blocks tied to their necks. Like that's not just three murderers are out in the same area tying people up with cinder blocks. Well, and then they also wonder like, why is no one reported missing? Exactly. So the, some of the women, uh, a couple of the women were wearing jewelry. They were wearing different things. So what the police originally started with for identifying them, because again, they didn't miss any, they didn't have any missing people. And not three at the same time. So they obviously had to uh, 
kind of go to the public for help because it's like, are you missing a family member? Do they have this jewelry? jewelry? Yeah. Do you recognize this jewelry? Like they've done that recently. They did it with um, a body in Toronto they couldn't identify and they asked because it had been um, cut up and put into garbage bags. So they released the manicure. I think we talked about this before. Yeah. And it was the same manicure that you happened to have at the time. Yeah, and you said that and I was like, oh, creepy. But yeah, so they do do that sometimes. They they need the public's assistance because they don't know who these people are. So they need to obviously identify them. Well, and it's quite rare that nobody would be calling in for three people missing. Exactly. So on Thursday, June 8th, four days after the bodies were found, a housekeeper from the Days Inn Hotel noticed that no one had been back to room 251 since about a week earlier. And she heard about the bodies and notified her manager, who then alerted authorities. The room had been rented by a Joan Rogers, who was in Tampa with her two young daughters. The technician dusted the room for fingerprints and the belongings of the Rogers family, and they came back to be a match for the three bodies that they were found in the Tampa Bay. Uh, Joan Rogers and her two children um, were Christy, 14, and Michelle, 17, had gone to Florida for a well-earned vacation. And the father, Hal, had stayed home because he was a hardworking dairy farmer. So mm-hmm. he stayed home to And that's rainy season. And it's like, yeah. you can't just leave everything up and leave. But the mom wanted to take the daughters on a nice vacation. So Yeah, and they'd spent the time doing all of the fun Florida stuff. Like anyone that's been to Florida knows there's a lot of stuff to do in the Orlando area, in the Tampa area. And everything's really close. Like to drive, like... I mean, not really close, but if you're on a on a road trip, like, yeah. you know, it's not much space that you would cover with much time. Like, it's, sorry, it's lots of space you'd cover with not that much time. Yeah, and there's a lot of attractions. They yeah, had like, already been to... They went to Disney World. And Universal. Yeah, they were on there. They were going to go to Bush Gardens. Yeah, that's what they were, I think, Their looking plan. into the next day. Yeah. So, because Hal didn't go with the girls... He was in regular contact with them and was expecting them to be home that Sunday, the 4th. But after all the contact, after the contact was lost and Hal didn't hear from the trio in days, they obviously didn't arrive back as scheduled, so he called the police to report his family missing. And I think, like, he was just, like, a simple farming guy. Yeah, was, like, he was. You know? Well, and that's, it was literally him and his wife and his two daughters. Yeah. And it actually came out that some other stuff had happened with within the family and he had a brother who now he was not speaking to which we will touch later on in the episode but so think about it it's literally just him his wife his kids and now his wife and his kids have not come home and he can't get a hold of them and it was in 1989 so it's not like he could just ring them on their cell phone well or... and and they had written him a postcard yeah like so... that's what i mean like it's uh anybody that was alive in those times it was a whole different world back yeah then. Even when I was, like... It was a fucking great world. Yeah, <laughs> well, a lot of people got kidnapped, and a lot of people hitchhiked, which led to them getting kidnapped. And ran away. Yes. So, police got the license plate, because they actually drove down there. So, they drove. So, obviously, now it's like, hey, where is their vehicle, right? So, they need to try to track down... The room didn't have a lot of evidence, because it literally looked like they had dropped their stuff off, and then they left. And so, there was no evidence of a struggle. There was no signs of any kind of anything happening in the room. So the next best thing was they looked for the car, the family's car. 
So they found the car uh, at a boat ramp uh, in the parking lot of a boat ramp right off of the Courtney Campbell Causeway, which was only three kilometers from the hotel. So they searched the car and they didn't find much in there either. But they did find a brochure that had some handwriting on it. And there were some directions on a paper to the boat ramp parking lot, uh, which had Joe's handwriting also. And on that note sheet indicated the boat would be blue and white. And the brochure had someone else's handwriting also on it with directions to the days in where the ladies were staying. Yeah, so they could tell because they had samples of Joe's handwriting, which matched the stationery that was found on the days in stationery. So obviously they know she wrote that. But then the brochure had like completely different handwriting. So the police kind of went on a limb and said basically, if we find this handwriting... We found the killer. Yeah. So then police went to Ohio just to get some more information because... Again, they didn't really know if the husband had done it because, you know, he... No, because there was a lot of stuff going on in the family. Yeah. When they went to Ohio, they, again, they interviewed the family, which was now just Hal, which was the husband. And Hal had an alibi. Like, he didn't... They yeah. made sure that he had been identified as going to... The diner. The diner. And, like, and they were from Wilshire, Ohio, which is a really small town. So think about how much this had devastated the community. Everybody knew these people. Everybody knew this family. And so the um, on Friday, May 26th, the girls were in their Oldsmobile and they started off for Florida. That's pretty much what happened. So they, they took off from home on the 26th and they went to, like we said, they went to Disney World. They went to Tampa to go to the beaches. They had worked really hard they were really hard workers they helped around the farm joe had two jobs she worked in a like did a late night um shift at a factory to make extra money and she pulled her weight on the farm like she did pretty she was a hard-working wife and the girls were both really popular they were really active in the community they showed the cows they had prized cows you know they they were active in the community people and they'd knew never they been were. on vacation before no so this was like very they'd planned it for quite a long time they were really excited so police believe like i said that he could be involved in the murders but was really quickly ruled out but another thing that had happened is hal had alerted authorities that his eldest daughter michelle had recently divulged that she had actually been the victim of sexual abuse on several occasions. And it was carried out by her uncle, who was Hal's brother. That's why I said earlier, like, it's not like he could rely on anyone else in his family. Because at that time, he had just found out. Like, how devastating would that be? You want to know something, though, that was really strange? Is that uh, Hal's brother was accused by another woman. And it was actually his brother's girlfriend that went through the house and found pictures pictures of michelle Michelle, um blindfolded and in sexual positions and stuff like that and that's fucking disgusting another thing is is that hal actually bailed his brother out of jail (gasps) yeah and when you hear him try to explain why he's just like well he's family even though he did that i still promised the rest of the family that i would post bail for him that's horrible so that whole dynamic i think had the police like what the actual fuck is going on exactly 
This is crazy. So they actually thought that the uncle might have had something to do with the murders because he had always threatened Michelle, if you say anything, I'll kill you. And, you know, da-da-da, the whole, the whole usual. usual spiel, yeah, of molesters who, we don't like molesters. We don't like molesters and we don't like Sandra Davidson. So don't listen to this fucking podcast if that's you or if you're a molester, okay? So, so anyway, everyone in the <laughs> that's family a personal thing. was eliminated as a suspect and the police returned to Florida. So basically. Yeah, because they, they even thought that maybe the uncle like hired a hitman or something, you know, but they, they looked into it and they saw that he was um, just, he was in. He was uh, just a molester. <laughs> he was just a molester. He wasn't a murderer. He was just or a Sandra molester. Davidson. Or Sandra Davidson. So, so over 300 people were at their funeral. Like the entire community was so devastated. In that small town. Yeah. That's really hard. I mean, here, obviously, you know, we live in a city with a lot of people. If something happens, we, I mean, we're more invested. We're in Facebook groups. We're all this stuff. But it is rare for the community to come together like that in such a big city. But when you come from a really small town. Yeah, like the town I grew up in was a town of 3,000. And if something like that would have happened, it would have like. Yeah, well, you have had something, you know, you did have some things happen in your small town that were pretty heinous and I'm sure yeah, it's it still very... something to this day that you talk about. So I see, look at the effect that that had on you, right? Yeah. So the police decided to turn back to the brochure and they compared all the employees handwriting and four months after the murder, um, another woman came forward or they, the detective read of a similar report of a rape that took place. And it took place two weeks before the murders happened. And it took place in Madeira Beach, which was right next to Tampa Bay. So the tourist was from Canada. She was from Toronto. And she indicated that her and a friend had met a man in a 7-Eleven, which, okay, neon flag. Don't meet anyone in a 7-Eleven, especially the 7-Elevens around here. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. So anyway. They asked um, him, you know, like, what do you do around here with something to do for fun? And he said, well, I have a boat. So why don't you guys come for an evening sunset cruise with me? And this guy seemed actually really friendly. Uh, There was no red flags. But the one girl, the friend, was like, I'm not fucking going on that boat with this stranger, which (laughs) this is a PSA. Don't go on a boat with a stranger. No, ever. And especially, like, in the summer. I know it's really, like, oh, I went on this guy's boat. It's like, okay, you I don't know him. I may or may him. not have gone on a stranger's You've probably been on a lots of boats. Yeah. <laughs> great. Like I said, it's, I'm glad you're still alive to tell all these stories. But it is really dangerous to go in the middle of nowhere because if something happens to you, nobody can hear you. You're taken away from civilization. You're in the middle of How nowhere. How going to Vietnam on your own and not? Well, you didn't do that on purpose. Your boyfriend broke up with you. So that wasn't a choice, but you made the best out of what had happened. So anyway, this guy wanted them to go on his blue and white boat. And he, like I said, the friend bailed, but what a piece of shit to let your friend go on a boat yeah, with this random guy. The craziest thing is the other girl still went. Yeah, so she went. And she said that she didn't get any weird feelings from this guy. She was super, he was super normal. They were normal. having like a really nice time and then he stopped the boat. Well, no, she said, she's like, can you take me back now? Like they, they were out there parked for quite a while. And it got dark. And then it got dark and she said, can you take me back? So he started to make sexual advances towards her. And then pretty much he got aggressive. He got aggressive. Yeah, he said, like, you better comply 
Because otherwise I'm going to throw you off and there's sharks in the water. Yeah, I'll duct tape your mouth if you don't be quiet. Like, pretty much let me rape you or else I'll kill you and throw you in the water. But because he knew that the other girl had seen who he was and what he looked like, that's what I think is why he brought her back to shore. And then she went and she obviously went in friggin' told the police. But she had a shower first, so that was yeah. the one mistake she made because then they couldn't get a DNA sample to compare. Exactly. And it is really important if you are ever, you know, heaven forbid, a victim of a sexual assault, do not shower. Um, make sure you go right to authorities and they can do something called, you know, they can swab you for DNA. They can, they even swab your body for like, like let's say somebody, we've had cases where someone licked the person or bit the person. They can use your epithelials and your saliva just from the, even from them touching your arm, they can get DNA from that. So shit's getting real these days. Oh, fuck yeah. Like exactly. Ancestry DNA or whatever. Like, you know, people are getting caught left and right these days. So so the similarities were obvious. Yeah. And she had given a description and they came up with a sketch of the suspected perpetrator. And police really believed that these were the same person. Yeah, they were committed by the same assailant. What is the chance? What are the odds that this is going to happen? And then two weeks later and within a 10 kilometer radius, three women are going to be found murdered. With no pants on. With no pants on in the middle of the ocean, right? So the com- the composite was released and there was lots of leads, but like always, there was not really any solid leads that led them into a certain direction. After a year, the case kind of dwindled with tips drying up. And then in January of 1991, um, they tried matching handwriting with trusted people like police. Yeah, police, firefighters, they pretty much got everyone in the area and they were just kind of looking for anything trying to see like because again who could really talk three people into feeling so safe going with them even not three people even that one girl to say oh you know what fuck this i'll go by myself with this guy this he had to be or the person who committed these acts had to be trustworthy in some way so that's what made them think you know okay let's look to police or let's look to firefighters or whatever and the girl the canadian girl that was assaulted had said that the man said that he owned an aluminum business and lived close to Madeira Beach. So they kind of tried following up on that too. They were looking at the owners of aluminum businesses and... Yeah, they just were basically trying to... any like shot in the could. dark, exactly. like whatever they could, because this was, you know, like what if this happened again? Three people is pretty brutal. Yeah. And then they started thinking that it was probably more than one person because Yeah, because how can you do that? Yeah. So in February of 1992, about two and a half years later, the case, they got a new captain. And basically he said, look, there's been no movement on this for two and a half years. You guys are not going to solve this. So he gave them a six month deadline. And he said, if you don't solve this, I need you guys to move on. And this is going to be considered a cold case. So they decided to put billboards in the area and... They got it for free, and a cop asked his dad to pay for the billboard. Yeah, he said he's like, I went on a limb, asked my dad if he could pay for this. The people uh, offered to put the billboards up for free, but if he could pitch up the $25,000 reward money, then we can put something up. So what they did is they put up big billboards. We'll put them. We'll put it on our um, episode 
picture for this week. Um, they put it up, the three pictures of the women, and then like help solve the Rogers family murder. Do you know who murdered these people? $25,000 reward. And in, they put um, a picture of the handwriting, the brochure in a in the newspaper. Perfect. So basically they said if they, you know, if anybody knows this handwriting, but it was in the newspaper. So in June of 1992, somebody called with a tip and they said exactly what the police believed. They said that they knew who did this and it was a police officer. They say that the person lived in Tampa, matched the description, and he was a special Marine patrol officer. So he knew the oh, ocean. He gosh, knew, yeah, he knew, he knew Tampa Bay like the back of his hand. So police surveilled him for one month and they interviewed him finally. And he was really cooperative, compared his handwriting, and it didn't match. It turned out to be a personal vendetta. Yeah, the guy who, so they called the guy in who left the tip and they interviewed him. And he basically said like, oh yeah, I was just a cop I didn't like and I thought maybe he could be. But the, like it was like... Clearly not him. What a fuck Clearly, stick. yeah, clearly he was a fuck stick. Exactly. So what had happened was police decided to, with the pictures of Joe, Michelle, and Christy on the billboard, with, this is, again, this is a shot in the dark. They have three months left to solve this case. Nothing's happening. There's no movement. They put the handwriting on the billboard. And this could have been, like, that handwriting could have not even been related. So, really, they were just kind of grasping at straws at this point, right? Someone Trying. had a good hunch, though. Exactly. So, police got a call from Joanne Steffi, and she was angry. She called. She said, I called six weeks ago saying I sent you the handwriting match, and I know who did this. Mm -hmm. She said her neighbor had had some work done by an aluminum screen guy. Yeah, like, so a guy that did aluminum screens. And she sent the contract in with his handwriting sampled, and it matched. Well, she said it's an exact match. She's like, if you look at it, which, if you do look at it, it's very his whys or whoever's whys that the person wrote were very, very, like, pronounced. Like, you can see them. They're very obvious that it's the same person. So she said that the man's name was Oba Chandler. And another thing she said was he moved right after the murders happened and he sold his blue and white boat. So when they obviously were like, oh, my God, ding, 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 ding. Like they they looked into this man. Well, and then they saw a picture of him and he looked like just, just like, like the, the composite. composite. Exactly. So he they looked into his obviously his history and they were blown away. Because yeah, his history he, was vast. He had 18 arrests as a juvenile and felony arrests as an adult for rape. Armed robbery, regular robbery, kidnapping, attempted kidnapping, escape. escape. So, you know, so then what the police did was they took that. They had Oba Chandler in a lineup and they flew to Toronto and they got the victim of the rape to, to, pick, him uh, to pick him out. And she picked him out in one second, right away. That's the man that raped me. That's the man from the boat. And... Honestly, he probably, like I said earlier, he probably would have murdered her if she didn't have that friend see who he was. Yes. Even though the friend was a... Oh, see <laughs> you, yeah. <laughs> to wow. let her go by herself. So, Oba Chandler had lived in Port Orange, and that was pretty close. It was actually on the east side of Florida. 
and he, he had married. a boat he had a boat um crane to put his boat in right there and everything yeah but he sold his boat which i mean obviously you know he felt like the the pressure was probably on again with he probably knew right because if you rape somebody and then you bring them back to shore and you're like see you later and then two weeks later you murder three people yeah they're probably gonna piece that together so so he was married at the time with a three-year-old yeah three-year-old daughter so i mean he's a he's a predator he is a clearly right so that's in itself is yeah so the police were able to charge him with the rape of the canadian tourist and they were trying to find like information and evidence on the murder so that kind of gave them a little bit of time so they obtained his phone records and there were calls made from the water the night the women went missing. Yeah, pinpointed right on the middle of the ocean on Tampa Bay. And the experts analyzed the handwriting and it was a match. Exact match. Yeah. So right then and there, Oba Chandler was charged with three counts of capital murder. Hey guys, it's Danica. I know you've heard our commercial of First Sense Dog Dry Shampoo, but now's your chance to get some for yourself and for your furry companion. Use promo code MWMM10 at checkout at www.firstsense.ca for 10% off your first sifter pack. These things are awesome. With the sifter pack, you can try all three scents, restorative cedarwood, purifying peppermint, and my personal favorite, Zen Lavender. That way, you can say goodbye to those stinky car rides home. I promise you and your fur baby are going to love this product. Now, back to Murder With My Mother. The trial of Oba Chandler began in September 1994. And at trial, honestly, they were doubtful because they didn't really have a lot of physical evidence. Most of the evidence was circumstantial. But the Canadian tourist victim took the stand and she was very effective at convincing the jury. Yeah. And there, but he did have a really good defense attorney and his defense attorney raised a lot of the reasonable doubt. Like he was saying like pretty much that's not what happened. He had met them. He gave them directions. That's all. And when he was out on his boat, it's because his boat broke down. So actually what had ended up happening was and nobody was expecting this oba chandler took the stand which is as we know a bad 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 yeah, idea bad but you know they all think they're smarter than everybody else yes. so they all think like i'll get away with this i'll go up there and i will tell my side and everyone will believe me because they're all narcissistic psychopaths so they all think that you know they can rule the world basically so so he said the same thing, that he did give them directions and he just happened to meet them and he was just trying to be helpful. Yeah, he, she said he said that he had met them and it was just the directions and then that night he went out on a fishing trip alone and what had happened was something had happened where his gas was running running out, it was like siphoning into the water, something happened his like that. Died. Yeah, but what the... Um, the prosecution actually called up a mechanic for the Marine Patrol, and he testified that that there's an anti-siphon valve in the boat that Oba Chandler drove. So unless gravity completely reversed itself, that wouldn't have happened. So that was really convincing, obviously, that Oba Chandler was full of shit, and the jury found him guilty on all three counts of first-degree murder. 
and capital murder. Capital murder. So we know what that means. Florida is a death state, so they sentenced him to death. And the whole time he was in jail, which was 16 years, uh, not one person came to visit him. Yeah. Except for his attorney. Yep. So that's obviously saying he had like seven kids. So he had eight kids by seven different women, it turned out. And so again, I think that that is a trait of a narcissist is spreading your seed. Yeah, that spreading your seed. And also just like, I don't know, like, how do you convince somebody and have that side to you where it's like, because to even have a baby with somebody, like, as a woman, to have a baby with a man. Well, and, like, wouldn't you, like, every person that I've seriously dated, I've known about their past, I think. Like, well, yeah, and you know knows? that they're a psycho. <laughs> who like, knows if I do? Because look at my poor judgment this time. Yeah, but you know what? You're, le- you're learning. You're learning. So on November the 15th, 2011, Oba Chandler was put to death by lethal injection at the Florida Correctional Facility in Stark, Florida. Thank goodness, because he was horrible. And his last words were, you're killing an innocent man. Yeah. And he actually wrote with the exact same handwriting. That was on the note. Yeah. You are executing an innocent man. See, to me, it's crazy because so many people couldn't believe that he did that. Like I said, that really shows how good you are at manipulating people. Even to get seven women to have fucking babies with you. Like, I'm sorry. After my first experience, I was like, hell no. Obviously, that all turned around when I found out that that wasn't the experience, but, or, you know, it was the experience, but blah, blah, blah. But to choose to have a baby with somebody, let alone seven women to choose to have children with you, you have to be really good at manipulating. And again, to get even that tourist to go alone with you on the boat and just, you have to be a very trusting person, like a very trust, you know, like you're remanating. Yeah, you're... Emanating. Emanating. You know me. I like to make up my own words. What's the other thing I say? Once in a while? No. What do I say? That you're like, you're saying this and it's it's wrong. Um, All of a sudden. All of the the sudden. Isn't that what it is? It's all of a sudden. And you say all of this, all of a sudden. Oh, well. You raised me, so it's your fault. Well, I don't say that. So (laughs) maybe one of your friends did. All of a fucking sudden, huh? That's how I would say it if my dad taught me how to say (laughs) it. So. But yeah, so. Oh, but Chandler was a piece of shit. So, I mean. And he's also suspected in other murders. Um, that came out after. Yeah. So there was a murder that happened around the same time of a, of a 20-year-old woman who was just getting off work. And her car was found with the tires slashed. And uh, they had a DNA sample on her and they compared it after Opa Chandler had been put to death and the sample matched. So we know that he had at least one other victim and probably more. Oh, probably so many more. Cause think of how brazen you have to be to kill yeah. three women in the middle of the day or not even the day. Maybe it was in the evening, but still like to convince three women to come on a midnight or an evening cruise, sunset cruise with you. Like, and you have to think he's at because he, he met the first, the victim of the sexual assault at the gas station. He met the Rogers family at a 7-Eleven, which I'm assuming probably was a gas station. He is obviously working areas that he knows people are going to be coming in. And, and we've all been, like, approached by a creepy-ass person in a 7-Eleven. Well, and in those days in Florida, the rental cars 
too, like there was a big thing that went on with rental cars because people were getting like mugged, killed, robbed yeah, yeah. in Florida because it was so easy. There's so many tourists there. Mm-hmm. So Oba Chandler had some pretty easy pickings to find yeah. tourists. And again, don't go out on a boat with anybody you don't know. Even if you do know them and they give you kind of the creeps, don't go. <laughs> Seriously, mom, I'm looking at you right now. I, see, know, I know. Soon you guys will be able to see everything we're doing. Which I don't know how I feel about. But. <laughs> I hope I have a good side profile because that's always bothered me. Well, you'll be front on. So good, we got a good, whole good. ass, you know, it's a it's a professional setup. We got it. We'll be good. We'll be hopefully they do some. I uh, hope we live up to the professionalism of it. Yeah. Well, we won't. But that's why you guys love us. So but yeah, that was the case of the Rogers family. Joan, who went by Joe. Michelle and Christy, which Christy. And we'll post some pictures of them and like the girls have like the most eighties hair. Eighties, eighties, eighties. It's it's just like you took a picture of me and put it up there. Yeah. Like that, that's why I knew you'd love this case because it was very eighties. Christy 80s. with the eighties hair. Christy with the eighties hair. And yeah, I mean I wonder how Hal's doing. I wonder if that was ever you know, think about that. Imagine I really hope that Hal and John didn't reconcile because no. he bailed him out and that, that would piss me off. I don't want to know. If well, happened. they probably did because think about it. If all of your family is murdered and then, you know, you don't have anybody else to turn to. Oh, I, I still wouldn't. No, because you never forgive a molester. No. 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 All right, everybody. Well, it's been great to be back and uh, we will keep pumping out the episodes and doing our due diligence thank you so much for coming back to listen to us and sorry that we were gone for such a long time yeah well mom was living her best life and then not and then living her best life again yeah (laughs) i'll always live my best life you will until i'm murdered and i hope that never happens imagine i murdered you (laughs) (laughs) which would be horrible but how crazy turn of events would that be this episode would be in state's evidence yeah (laughs) and we always talk about people like you know clearing their cash clearing their cookies or whatever before they when they google something i'll just go delete this episode (laughs) so if this episode's gone no 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 brent will be on my side i'll just get (laughs) sean and michelle to and amy because i know she's an avid listener nope they wouldn't believe it so excellent on that morbid note <laughs> on that i hope note. you guys have a beautiful night and a beautiful day and a beautiful three weeks till we're back yes our next episode is going to be dropping in july and again get ready to see our beautiful shining funny hilarious faces i'm going on a diet right now so yeah i'm gonna use my eye cream three times a day so that i'm nice and fresh and rejuvenated <laughs> have no skin left in your <laughs> eyes and i'll be a skeleton so it'll be great and i'll be peeing every three minutes in the episode because i drink my fucking body weight in water every day so perfect we will be releasing that episode on the 21st of july so like i was saying earlier it'll be for every month right now just until i get a handle again it's been six months i know but it's it's a big adjustment when you're you know new mom and all that stuff and she's getting her first tooth right now and da, 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 sleep training blah 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 so we're hoping obviously once the episodes start to pick up a little bit we'll be able to go back to every two weeks um hopefully sooner rather than later 
Sounds good. But, I'm ready. Yeah, mom's all ready in her own apartment, which you guys know has been her dream for probably 30 years. Like, you've probably That's always dreamed. Finally made my fucking dreams come true. Exactly. Soon. Thanks, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> but until next time, this has been another episode of Murder with My Mother, the true crime podcast where I talk murder with my motherfucking mother. Woo! Woo! We'll see you guys soon. Well, you'll see us and hear us, so... See you guys. Bye. Bye.